This is Film Focus with Emily Cook. I'm here at the BBC today in London and joined by Peter Minora, who is Head of Digital Development for BBC Arts. Hi Peter, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. You've had an impressive career working at the BBC over 30 years. One of your key roles during this time has been as a multi-camera director on live broadcasts, most notably so for the proms. Can you describe in a nutshell what a multi-camera director actually does? A multi-camera director works either in a studio or in an outside broadcast. It's working in a gallery situation with a multiple camera setup, anything from two or three cameras to 14 or 16, and choosing the shots, working with a vision mixer who cuts the cameras and a script supervisor who often calls the shots. It's different to the work of a single camera director or a documentary filmmaker because you are dealing with multiple cameras and often multiple other sources. So I'd like to wish everybody the very best of luck. It's a pleasure working with you. Three minutes to start of And looking search. forward to having a lot Three of fun minutes. tonight. Just listen carefully, and if there are any problems, we'll work together to sort them out. In many situations, you yourself are generating a script. In other words, a camera script which is pre-prepared, which has numbered shots and shot descriptions, and not any shot descriptions, a shot may have instructions to a camera. In other words, start on a mid-shot, zoom into medium close-up over 25 seconds. So there's a lot of preparation as well as the spontaneous work of directing a live or a pre-recorded show. So it's kind of very intense and you can't afford to miss a beat. It's certainly intense. Despite preparation, you always have to be able to react mm -hmm. to the unexpected. If you're doing any kind of live event, things always happen in a slightly different way to the way that you've planned them. So as you were saying then about unpredictable elements working in live TV, what's the most bizarre or challenging situation that you've come up against? Um, any secrets from the OB truck? Let's deal with the secrets first. I mean, I think the thing that I would say is that a few years ago, I was thinking, I wonder if this job that I'd originally trained in will eventually disappear. Now I think that the exact opposite is true, which is that the notion of live events and online streaming and lots of different organisations, be it the Royal Shakespeare Company or the National Theatre, now doing their own streaming means that the craft, and it is a craft of the multi-camera director, is probably in more demand than it has been for 20 years. So I suppose the first thing is to be said is that on the whole it's something that it's good if you're trained in it. When I was starting as a young filmmaker and director, everybody wanted to make films. And a lot of people, in a way, poo-pooed the role of a multi-camera director, seeing it as somehow being less creative. Now, because I was interested in music, I wanted to be a multi-camera director as well as a single-camera director because I realised that in order to work with the music that I love, I'd need to be able to multi-camera direct. And what I found was that it was the most fantastic discipline because... As a filmmaker, you don't cut sequences as you go. Yeah. Whereas a multi-camera director, you do. Your shots have to cut together. You have to build sequences live, maybe over a thousand shots in a two-hour concert. You are storyboarding. You're thinking about framing, you're thinking about shot sizes, you're thinking about speed of shot development. And then you do it. I found that doing that enormously 
enhanced my craft as a filmmaker because when I was on location shooting I could and was immediately thinking about sequences. Yeah. So that's that's the first secret which is that I think it's a sort of a hidden secret. I'd encourage anyone who's interested in directing to think about multi-camera because even if you're you talking to me in this small BBC room now let's say you're covering it on three cameras straight away I would think right you've got one camera that is giving you a two shot and two other cameras that are cross shooting giving you singles. Straight away you need to direct the cameras because clearly you don't want both both cameras that are cross-shooting pointing at the same person. That's very simple. Even there you need that degree of preparation and as you multiply the complexity of the event that you're covering and the number of cameras, your technique then needs to expand. So that's, that's the, the basic stuff. Bizarre and challenging situations. You always get bizarre and challenging <laughs> situations in multi-camera. I suppose one of the, uh, the most interesting was I was invited by the city of St. Petersburg to produce their 300th anniversary concert. We had 47 heads of state in the audience. So one of the challenges was getting through the security and actually getting to the show to in fact do it. Fortunately the American president, who was at that time Bush, decided not to come because that would be even... That's quite fortunate. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but 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 that was a matter of working in an unfamiliar city, in a challenging environment, in the middle of a security lockdown. It was predictably crazy because we only got a run-through of most of the show the night before. I can remember my director, Ross McGibbon, worked through the night and then we were doing it live on BBC Two the next night. And that was a big one. We weren't only, as it were, working for the BBC. We were representing the BBC and, I suppose, our BBC way of doing things in a foreign city Mm -hmm. at a very high profile moment. So how did you go about getting into the industry? What was your first role? How did you break in? Well, I lost my job before I even started. Um, because I was supposed to start as a studio manager in radio. Around the time I was due to start, having been offered a job, I was told that the BBC was suspending um, production recruitment because they had to do the first round of cuts. This was in the early years of the Thatcher government, so Mm -hmm. that was tough. So I eventually started on a very short-term contract as the planning assistant to the controller of Radio 4. And then straight after that, I went into what was then BBC Enterprises, now BBC Worldwide, and I was one of the founding members of the BBC Home Video Unit at a time when there were only three video outlets in the whole of the UK. So, yeah, as always, there's never a straightforward way into the BBC. No, well, if you were to try and give some advice to somebody starting out, I know there's no straightforward way in. What would you suggest to somebody who fancies the idea of working in film and TV? I think the huge change since I was starting, and it's a positive one, is that technology is absolutely available to use now. We've got our phones on the table, we could make a film, we could do a Periscope live broadcast right now. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is, there's no excuse now if you're interested in working in film and TV in not having any experience, not being able to show what you've done. And the first thing I'd say is, you know, make sure if you're thinking about it, A, that you're using the kit that's around you, thinking about shooting with a camera, thinking about framing, thinking about sequences, um, looking around you if you're into film and feature film and television, look at it critically. Um, Think how that could apply to your own practice shoot things, edit things, have examples of your work that if you're applying for a job or an internship you can show. People have always been fixated, as I was, about getting into the BBC specifically. 
Um, but there are just so many other ways that you can work in media now. It's not just about being a filmmaker. You should be thinking about your skills as a stills photographer, as a video journalist, and someone who can write. And social media now as and well. And of course social media, yeah. So, and also being proactive and creating your own content, that's kind of the key thing there. Yeah. Great. So, um, Peter, what was the last film that you watched and what did you make of it? Well, um, the last film I saw was A Kind of Traitor. So I was having a bit of a Le Carre moment after Night Manager. Um, this is a film directed by Susanna White. Now, you see, here's a funny thing, because there was a period when I was acting head of arts at the kind of the turn of the century, and I was uh, responsible for launching what was called The Art Zone on BBC Two. One of the films that I commissioned for that was a film on W.H. Auden, directed by Susanna White, who <laughs> directed Our Kind of Twaiter, and I think did a good job. It, it, it was a film which was, it wasn't terribly well received. I found it actually pretty, pretty gripping. It's quite a brown film. There does seem to be a sort of tendency in, you know, contemporary world, particularly um, after Tinker Taylor, yeah. to make films about espionage in a kind of muted uh, sort of sepia brown look, which yeah, which is yeah. fine. But I think that it's actually it was a very well crafted piece. It had Ewan McGregor, um, particularly good performance from Damien Lewis. I mean, watching that remi reminded me actually that one of the I think one of the great strengths of British filmmaking at the moment is first of all fantastic casting, the quality of performances that you see on the whole yeah. from British artists, both in homegrown and in in, in stateside movies is very fine. While I might not have liked the, the overall colour palette, yeah. <laughs> there's no question that that film had a look and a polish to it which was absolutely thought through. I think the degree of visual sophistication by and large that we see on the screen, small and large, mm -hmm. is very impressive. Yeah, everyone can edit, shoot, grade to a level if they're prepared to put the time and effort in, I guess. That's it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Peter. Emily, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Film Focus with Emily Cook. Happy movie going!